All over the south of England, on the night of the 5th of June, people awoke, or else if they were going late to bed, stopped what they were doing and went outside to listen. Those who had lived there for the past four years were used to noisy nights. The noise at nights had changed through the years, from the distinctive beat of German bombers and the din of air raids, to the sound of British bombers outward bound at dusk and homeward bound at dawn. But people who heard the noise on the 5th of June remember it as different from anything that had ever been heard before. Life and war had made them adept at guessing what was happening from what they could hear, and as they listened that night, with increasing excitement and pride, they knew that by far the greatest fleet of aircraft they had ever heard, and therefore the greatest fleet that anyone had ever heard, was passing overhead from north to south. Nobody had much doubt of what the noise implied. Even those who had nothing to do with military secrets had known it would happen soon. They simply said to themselves or to each other, This is it. And probably most of them heard the sound with such deep emotion that they did not try to put their feelings into words. It was the invasion, as everybody either knew or guessed. And the invasion, if it succeeded, was to be the redemption of the defeat of Dunkirk and the justification of the British refusal to admit defeat when everyone else in the world believed they were finished. It would be a reward for the four years' grinding labor by which they had dragged themselves up from the depths of 1940 to a state of national strength which made them an equal partner of the United States. And personally, to the British, it had a significance like a first gleam of sunshine after rain. It would be a sign, if it succeeded of hope that the worst was over, the first glimpse of the beginning of the end of the sorrow, boredom, pain, and frustration in which they had lived for so long. That was to be its significance, if it succeeded. What if it failed? People could not bring themselves to imagine what would happen if it failed. But they knew that failure would be a military disaster, which at best would take years to retrieve, and in the back of their minds they doubted their own ability exhausted by war as they were, to survive such a disappointment and start again, as they had at Dunkirk, and build everything up anew. They went to sleep that night, if they slept any more, with a sense of great events impending, and of comradeship in a vast adventure, knowing the day would bring news of a battle which would influence all their lives forevermore. On the whole, they were certainly thankful the time had come to put everything to the test. But of course they thought anxiously of the thousands of their own people who even then, in the night, were on their way to battle, and of the Americans who many of them had met for the first time in the past few months. And many of these people, perhaps most, thought with special anxiety of one man who they imagined, rightly or wrongly, was on his way to France by air or sea. In the morning, the main news in the papers and on the radio was still of the fall of Rome, which had been announced on the day before, and nothing was said of events which were nearer home. But just after nine o'clock, the bare announcement came. Under the command of General Eisenhower, Allied naval forces supported by strong air forces began landing Allied armies this morning on the coast of France. Within a few minutes, this news, which the people of southern England had anticipated, was repeated all round the world.